Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. It has been one her horrific week. My God, what's going on? It's been a sad week. The shooting. I'm talking about the shooting in Orlando. Uh, we always knew we would be susceptible to attack in this country again. We didn't know how. We didn't know primarily, specifically by who. We didn't know where. Well, we found out at the Pulse Club in Orlando, Florida. And who did who did all this? Who was the man with the gun who killed 49 people and injured 50-plus more? He was an American citizen. He was born in America. He was raised in America. He was educated, including college, in America. And he bought his guns in America. He was a radicalized American. uh, And he bought it. He he bought the, the tale that the... ISIS and everyone else puts out in the Middle East, and he became radicalized and a follower. He was not specifically a member of any group out there. He did visit twice in the last few years the Middle East, uh, but he was an American. He was one of those people you hear about, the people that are on the Internet, and they get all turned on to the cause of ISIS, and ISIS knows they have these cells, so to speak, here in the United States, and he was one of those cells, a solitary figure, and he was upset. And why was he upset? Well, he's a Muslim, okay? And the Muslim religion is anti-gay. The Pulse Club is a gay club. And what better time to do it than during Gay Pride Week all over the United States? And he also, as we have learned, was anti-female. And the Islamic people, those who follow the religion, they're anti-female. Look how they treat their women over there, okay? Uh, This guy, Omar Mateen, angry violent, a bigot, a bigot, bigot to every class of person. And where did he learn all this? I've got to believe he learned 99% of what motivated him about the religion and ISIS and everything else from the Internet, which raises a point I want to share with you. Uh, You know, we talk about, well, uh, anyone who's on an anti-fly list or this or that should be uh, vetted by the government. They should be put on another list. I don't think we're going to find that much out about people by doing these lists here and a list there. I think what we it's okay to do it, no problem. I'm not saying not do it. But one of the things we must do is get into the Internet of people we discover, that the, their computers, get into their computers of people we discover who have gone to the other side, like this Omar Mateen, because everything is in the computer. Uh, Whatever he knows, most of that knowledge has been obtained over the Internet. Let's find out. There has to be a pattern these people follow. Let's put some people into this and check into this, because there is a pattern. Not there must be. There is a pattern, and I'll bet you it's the same all the time. And let's find out, because once we know the pattern, then we can start putting up the safeguards. One of the things I believe we must do. Now, we are at war. Everybody says we are at war uh, with the Muslim society. I agree. We are at war. But this is a strange war. 
We were at war. I'm 80 years old, so I can talk like this. 50, 60 years ago with Soviet Russia. We were at war with the communists. We were at war for more than 30 years with them. They had nuclear weapons big time. We had nuclear weapons big time. But do you want to know something? Each side, the United States and the Soviet Union, had big mouths. They talked big. They threatened each other and everything else. But no one dared shoot or go and attack the other side in any fashion because they knew the hell that would come if we ever had a war, a nuclear war. These people don't care. They go out and they kill each other and they, ki- they kill the other side. They molest the other side. They wage war on the other side. And they're nowhere as strong as communist Russia was 50, 60 years ago. And yet, who, Truman, Eisenhower, Nixon, Carter, Reagan, they took us through this war, through this, this Cold War, and without us getting involved in any wars, except, you know, we had to go to Korea and we had to go to Vietnam. Uh, but we weren't fighting in the United States. We were losing Americans, but not here, not as many as we would lose if we actually had a war here. Uh, so I don't want a war on my soil. I don't want another 9-11. I don't want another Orlando. I don't know what we do. I mean, this is beyond my pay grade, but we got to do more than we're doing. That's all I'm saying. And I'm not knocking what we've done so far. Uh, just that's the way it is. Now, I want to get into here for a moment, Donald Trump. And I am anti-Trump. No question about it. I have been anti-Trump from day one. I just don't think he's the type of person uh, this country should have as its president. I do not believe he is qualified to lead us, especially in troubled times. His nature, his disposition is not such that I am comfortable with him. You may be. That's your right, okay? Uh, Well, how, what was his reaction to this thing in Orlando? All right. Uh, you know, no holds barred. He came out on the Muslim community, boy. Got to go get him. Keep him out of this country. All right. And he said, Hillary wants to disarm the Americans. Why does she want to disarm the Americans? Because she wants more control on guns in this country. And in effect, he was saying, she's going to screw you on your Second Amendment rights. She's going to take guns away from you. And, and then when they come over here, you're not going to be able to protect yourself and your family. He said the Islamic terrorists will slaughter you. Okay, great. Then he says, well, we've taken too many Syrians in in the last year. Well, do you know how many Syrians we've taken in in the last year? You know, they all left Syria because of the wars over there. They went to Turkey. They went to Germany. Germany's taken in close to 200,000 already. Says they're going to take in a million. We promised. Obama was smart last year. He says, we will take 10,000, no more. Because he understood it disrupts you. There's so many things you can't do in this world, even though you may want to do them. So far, of the 10,000, we've taken in under 3,000. 2,800. But he makes it sound like, oh, my God, they're taking over our cities, all right? Uh, And he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. He said the perpetrator of this crime, Omar Mateen, was an Afghan. He was born in Afghanistan. How the hell could I know and you know that this is a guy born in Queens, New York, and Donald Trump doesn't know it? Uh, 
So there's another thing that bothers me about this. Trump, what he's saying, you must listen to the man. You don't have to listen closely. What he is saying, there are two civilizations in this world. Uh, there is the Islamic Muslim group, and there is the rest of the world. Now, he doesn't realize, I don't think, that there, I, there are more Muslims than any other religion in the world. The number is gigantic in the billions. I don't think he realizes that, number one. But number two, what he is suggesting is a war. We must go to war with these people and eliminate them. And you know what this makes me think of? The Crusades. Remember? They fought the Crusades back when? The Middle Ages or before the Middle Ages? Nothing came of it except people died on both sides. And the Muslim religion hates us to this day because of the Crusades. One of the young ladies who was hurt, who was shot in the legs at the Pulse Club in Orlando the, uh, Saturday night or Sunday morning, uh, was, is on the internet today. You can find her all over. There's a video of her, and I happened to listen to it. She was stuck in the bathroom with this Omar Mateen. She and two girlfriends were in the handicapped uh, bathroom, in the handicapped toilet, on the floor. She had already been shot in her two legs. Uh, they kept quiet. They were afraid. Uh, because if anyone made noise, they could hear him go, the gun go pop, pop. He shot somebody outside their stall who made noise. Uh, and she, she had some interesting observations about it. This girl, by the way, attractive young lady, Afro-American, probably 20-ish, 23. Uh, right now she's an intern, by the way, at Fox News in Philadelphia. She's got a hell of a career ahead of her. I can see it right now. They're not going to miss her. She's a winner. But she said, and her name again uh, is Patience Carter. Patience said she could see the shooter's feet as he paced back and forth on the bloody floor just outside the handicapped stall where she and her friends tried to keep quiet. He spoke in a language she could not identify. When his rifle jammed, he killed a couple of people point blank with his handgun. Pop in that moment, Carter said, and I quote, I was begging for God to take the soul out of my body because I didn't want to feel any more pain. And she, she closed her comments with, I have a guilt, the guilt of being alive. The guilt of being alive is heavy. Interest, interesting story this girl puts forth of the pain and suffering she experienced. Uh, what else can I tell you about Trump and this sort of thing? This is a sad situation. Those are my thoughts on it. Uh, it had to happen. It happened. I don't hope no more happens. We have to be vigilant. We have to do better in how we are vigilant. I want to make another observation. Uh, my time's going fast tonight, and there's so much I want to talk about that I know I'm not going to get in. I do this show every week. I've been doing it for a couple of years. It's controversial in the sense that I am opinionated. I receive many comments. Uh, tomorrow I'll be flooded. And I, many are adverse to my thoughts, and I don't mind, uh, I, because I believe none of us knows everything. Uh, there's generally two sides to every story. 
Uh, I believe that those who do not think like me are the indispensable opposition because I may be wrong and they may be correct. We have to talk to each other. That's what I'm trying uh, to say. I also do, I, I do a blog every morning that I send out over the Internet under Key West Lou. You can find it at keywestlou.com. Do it religiously. I've been doing it for at least 10 years now. Have a hell of a following. I've got to say, my following's worldwide. Big numbers. I even have advertisers now. I can't believe uh, national advertisers. The point I want to make, though, is that my blog gets controversial. I talk about Key West part of the time, and then I tell people what I think about what's going on in the world. And I happen to mention, I did this in the blog, and I did it on tweet, uh, I think Sunday or Saturday. Uh, I just said, Trump is not qualified to be president. He shoots from the hip. He's too volatile. He shoots from the hip. He's too volatile. He is not qualified to be president. That's exactly what I said, those three sentences. My God, the responses I got. I got one this morning. I got to tell you, I got a comment this morning. The, the roughest I have ever received. Uh, this person was very, anonymous, of course. This person was upset, uh, called me all kinds of names, which doesn't bother me. I think it's stupid to talk that way. And I can see this is uh, Trump has attracted the people who were forgotten in this country. Many of his followers of people were forgotten. He has made them alive. He has given them hope. Uh, he has given them a leader to follow. He has told them, we're going to have change. Things are going to be good for you from now on that haven't been good. And these people sense over the weekend, I think we all sense over the weekend, because of this judge situation on one of his cases, that Trump finally is starting to lose steam, okay? And I think they're scared, they're afraid, they're, see, they're seeing, they're observing that they're losing the one thing they had to hold on to finally in this country. And I think that is what really motivated this guy's response to my simple three lines saying the guy's unqualified to be president, I think, because he shoots from the hip. He's too volatile. So that's all I'm going to say about Trump tonight. That's all I'm going to say about the terrible thing that happened in Orlando. Let's go on to other things. I want to talk about the California primary between Hillary and Sanders. Uh, it was supposed to be close. It wasn't close. It was supposed to, it was really supposed to be very, very close. Uh, it was supposed to be a nail biter. Turns out Hillary won by, I think, eight or 10 points. Uh, now we find out this, don't forget, this was just June 7th. We find out over the weekend that two and a half million votes, two and a half million ballots remain uncounted. Now, you tell me how this can happen in this day and age in the biggest state in the Union, California, supposedly one of the most sophisticated. They, they've got all those computer geeks working out there, and yet two and a half million ballots remain uncounted. Now, Sanders expects a recount, properly so, and he also said he doesn't think it's going to change the outcome, but it's going to show the race was closer than it was. My comment, my thought is, how the hell can you miss two and a half million votes? That's all. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about the Secret Service. The Secret Service. Very interesting. 
in our Secret Service, these are supposed to be the best of the best. Uh, they protect the President of the United States. They protect the President of the United States. Yet in the last two or three years, we're seeing some strange things happening. Uh, like uh, they partied in Colombia and some other places in South or Central America. There were prostitutes. There was booze. There was drugs. I'm laughing. And this party, these parties were paid for by the drug cartels. Can you imagine? All right, we heard that. The people were appropriately chastised. Now, all of a sudden, people are climbing over the fence at the White House and running up to the White House and have to be caught. One fella even made it into the White House and got to the second floor. How do these things happen in this day and age by the best of the best who are there to protect our president? How do they vet these people? Well, let me give you another one that just came out over the weekend. Secret Service agent Lee Robert Moore, working at the White House, working at the White House, was using his computer from the White House and also from his home in Maryland to communicate with teenage girls. Uh, he was arrested in November, in November, by federal authorities in Delaware, and he's been sitting in jail in Delaware since, uh, because he sent obscene material over the Internet to a young girl. The obscene material was a picture of his penis. Uh, he also told another girl he would travel from his home in Maryland to Delaware to meet her. These are girls 14 to 17. What he didn't realize was he wasn't speaking to a teenager. He was speaking to a female police officer who was part of one of those groups that goes on the Internet to find people who are sexual perverts. And she discovered him. They two hooked up and talked back and forth. Now, over the weekend, he was arrested again Thursday. He was arrested for Florida crimes by the federal government. Uh, this guy's good. This guy's good. Uh, again, he was talking to a teenage girl. Uh, he was suggesting sexual acts with her. Uh, and uh, he was talking to her about pornography. And he also, after his arrest, confessed they did this with 10 other girls. He is a Secret Service agent and the employee of the United States government, obviously to protect our president if he works in the White House. How do they vet these people? How does this happen? Let's talk about water. Water is in dire supply in many parts of this country. California is an example. Six, seven months ago, I wrote a newspaper column. I wrote for a local newspaper in Key West about how tough things were in California with water. And one of the bad guys in California was Nestle's. You know, Nestle's makes bottled water, that stuff you and I buy off the shelves in the supermarket. Uh, and they had been taking water out of a particular community in California for years. They were taking out, I don't know how many, I don't recall how many, 100,000 gallons of water per day and transporting it to their nearby factory and bottling it and selling it, okay, transporting it out then and, and selling it. They were using so much water that the town was selling it to them, the water, cheaper 
than the homeowner was paying who was taking water through the faucet as people normally do. In other words, Nestle's got the water at a cheaper rate than the homeowner did. Now we, and they're still doing this, by the way, they haven't stopped in California. I'm in Pennsylvania now. About three months ago, and then we're in a place called Eldred Township in, Monroe, in Morrow County, Pennsylvania. Nestle said, hey, we're going to buy this property, and we're going to take water out of it. We're going to take 200 gallons a day of water out of the Eldred Township, and we're going to put it in bottles that we sell. What are they called here? I forget. Uh, Nestle's puts out another, oh, Deer, Deer Park brand, Deer Park. And the people got aroused. They said, we don't have enough water for ourselves around here. Why are we going to sell it to Nestle's? So the people got together, they petitioned, they yelled and screamed at public and civic meetings. And finally, last week, uh, Nestle's announced that because of logistical and drain and design challenges, logistical and design challenges, they were no longer going to pursue the idea. Really what happened was the people stood up for their rights and said, screw you, and Nestle's had to put their head between their legs and walk away. Good for the people up there. Okay. I normally speak on the show about the column that's going to be in the newspaper this week uh, in the Conk Life here in Key West. I read a column a week, and I like to talk about it because I put so much time into these columns, and I know not everyone gets to read them if you're not in Key West, though it's, it's available, it's archived on my Key West Lou website. Uh, be that as it may, I want to talk to you about my article this week very quickly. I call it the rape, the rape of Social Security. I wrote basically the same column three years ago in 2013. At the time, I called it the theft of Social Security. But things have gotten so much worse, and people don't seem to understand what has happened with Social Security, that I republished the article and called it rape and made certain corrections, additions, etc. in it. And there's two reasons why I republished the article three years later, and it's coming out tomorrow. It'll, be in, it'll hit the stands. Number one, I'm sick and tired of hearing politicians say, and even our presidents, you know, we've got to cut Social Security, or we've got to privatize it. It's one of those things that's hurting the economy badly. We owe like 1.8, no, 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 we owe $18 trillion now. We owe $18 trillion, and we just can't afford to keep paying these people Social Security. It's killing the economy. That's a crock of shit, as you all know, because it does. I'll explain in a second very quickly. The other thing that motivated me is I run into a lot of young people here. I, I'm out almost every night in Key West. I'm 80 years old. So the people I'm talking to are generally younger than me by two generations. There's two generations of people younger than me, and I talk to them. I talk to them about everything, including Social Security, to get their thoughts. And you know what most of them say? In fact, i got to say all of them say. There's, they do not see why they have to support people like me in my old age. They don't see why they have to support people like me in my old age. They think their tax dollars are paying my Social Security check. And if you're on Social Security, your Social Security check. 
Let me tell you what's going on quickly. We're $18 trillion in debt. You know who the biggest creditor of the United States is? You know who the United States owes the most money to? The Social Security Trust Fund. Our government has borrowed $2.8 trillion from Social Security and never paid it back. And they gave an IOU for it. They owe it. I don't know if they're ever going to pay it back. I doubt it. We only owe China $1.4 trillion, yet we owe Social Security $2.8 trillion. What happened was, over the years, starting a little bit with Johnson, uh, then with Clinton and Alan Greenspan, uh, and Bush too a little bit, and Reagan, Reagan, Reagan and Alan Greenspan, I'm sorry, and Clinton and Newt Gingrich, they also figured out a way to get the money out of Social Security, not put it back and use it. And the reason why is, and I don't know if you're aware of this, there's always a surplus in Social Security. In other words, surprise, my friends, Social Security takes in more every year than it pays out. In its 81 years of existence, there have only been 11 years when Social Security did not take in more than it paid out. And since 1984, Social Security has had a surplus every year. Now, instead of leaving that surplus in there and let it build up, the government says, we can use this money. And they borrow it. By law, they had the law changes. They could borrow it. They give a, 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 a treasury bond that cannot be used as collateral. You can't take it to the bank and borrow on it. Uh, it, it they say, and it's backed by the full faith and credit of the United States, but economists generally agree it's nothing more than an IOU. What the government is doing is borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. They, Peter's the Social Security account. Uh, they put it in the general fund and they pay bills, but they never pay Peter back. They forget to pay back. It's just like if you and I loan somebody 100 bucks, say, you got to pay me back, and they don't pay you back. That, they stiff the Social Security Fund, the government of the United States. And I'm sick of hearing the congressman say it's an entitlement that's breaking the economy. Not one penny of tax dollars has ever gone in to Social Security to pay those of us who are on Social Security. And where did this money go? Let me tell you quickly where this money went. Uh, Bush, too, has been the worst person with the money. Remember when Bush, too, took office? He gave the rich it all right away a massive tax cut. I, I, I might have been the rich at the time. I don't think I was rich, rich, but I was rich enough. I got a big check back that year. I couldn't believe it. Bush was my hero. But what he did was he used he took money from the surplus to make up for that tax cut. He also ran the Iraqi war, if you recall. Okay? He ran the Iraqi war. And so is Obama running these wars. Obama's no different. He's a sinner, too. He takes the money out of the trust, security trust fund. And the worst thing that Bush, too, did, remember the 2008 bank bailouts that came at the end of his term? Where do you think Bush got the money to give the banks? He borrowed it from Social Security surplus, put it in the general fund of the United States, and loaned the money to the banks. Now, you know the banks paid back over a period of time. But when the banks paid back, Bush and then Obama did not bother to put the money re back into the trust fund, into the Social Security trust fund. They left it in the general fund to spend it on other things. 
So if you want to know why Social Security has a problem, it's because they always take money out of Social Security every t- on a daily basis. As the money comes in, if there's any money left over at the end of the day, they take it. Disgraceful situation. People should be aware. I wrote a long article in the newspaper on this, the rape of Social Security. All right, we're close to running out of time here. Where am I? I'm going to go quickly. I'm going to talk about squid and octopus very quickly. We're running out of food. They say in 20, 30 years we're not going to have enough food. That's why we need genetically modified things. The fish are, we're, we're depleting the fish reserves in the ocean. Turns out there are two fishes that are not depleted, squid and octopus. For some reason, the pollution in the water, uh, the climate change, the overfishing is not hurting the squid and the octopus. And 20, 30 years from now, those are going to be your big meals. I like octopus. I ate a lot of it in Greece. I don't have the tel- time to share with you my experiences with it, but it's great food. I thank you for joining me this week. Uh, sorry I went fast and tried to cover too much. Uh, good stuff this week, though. Things are happening that are important to all of us. Uh, please come back next week and listen again. I look forward to being with you. Good night. <laughs>